Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the pleasure of having Max Trailer here with me today. Max is someone that guides professionals to monetize their businesses much better than they've ever done before. Max, welcome to the program. Umar, it's going to be fun. So what's kind of interesting is in our society, we have beliefs in many buckets. Three of the most important ones are money. We have a lot of beliefs around money, and most of them turn out to be negative. Sales, lots of beliefs around salespeople and selling, most of them negative, and then love. But let's focus on the first two. Money. A lot of people have money issues. It's like, you know, we want money, but... We have hang-ups around it. What do you think about that statement? Penny, for your thoughts? That's a joke, by the uh, way. Well, you know, yeah. I, I, so, what was that? Oh, Penny, for your thoughts. It was just a joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know where to make out the check. No, I, I grew up with my dad. Uh, we did a lot of drives to Disney World. We, we grew up in uh, Jupiter, Florida, so a lot of time listening to him uh, in the car, and, and he always worked from home, and he was, and he was a sales guy. And uh, he, he would always say on his calls, hey, I'd do it for free, but I got to keep the electricity bill going. Uh, so I, I, think that, I think that for a lot of reasons, uh, people's relationship with money is a negative one. Um, but the fact of the matter is, in order to do all of the things that you want to do uh, and create that space in your life, you do need to create that freedom from money. You do need to charge for it. Um, it, but he, he always, uh, he always treated it in a, in a joking kind of way and, and said, look, uh, selling is helping for a profit and we're really just out here to help people. And if we don't charge for it, if we don't charge enough, we will not be able to help people. So, you know what? We're going to charge an arm and a leg. Did he actually charge an arm and a leg? Well, um, I grew up with the business mantra, digital scalable residual. And the story is I'd, I'd walk into his office as a five-year-old and I'd say, dad, where do you make the money? I thought he was actually printing money in his office. And he said, no, Max, that, that's illegal. You can't print mm -hmm. money. But uh, the reason we're able to do all of these things is because I have a digital scalable residual business model. If I do something once, I get paid forever. Uh, so I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> No, that's a, that's a good answer. Who cares about the question? So yeah, you work so with clients I, I, that are talented at their craft, and but they feel uncomfortable charging what you think it's worth because they're perfectly charging for what they think it's worth. But when you look as an outsider coming in, it's like, wait a minute, you have something really valuable. Why are you undercharging for it? What do they say? And how do you convince them to charge appropriately? Well, when I, when I got into, I, I was having trouble finding a job. Turns out I'm unhirable and I was having trouble finding a job. And I called my dad and I said, you know, I'm frustrated. He said, Max, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a consultant. And he, I couldn't see him. We were on the phone, but he waved his hands and he said, all right, Max, you're, you're a consultant because all that means is that you make up the price. That's what consulting is, is that you make up the price. And, um, 
after a while, I realized that there's a real negative side effect of not charging enough. And that is that your clients don't pay attention. And that's really the only rule I've found in charging too much or too little. In fact, charging too much uh, often leads to a really good conversation. And it often leads to more money no matter what. You can always come down in your price point, um, but you can't magically establish more credibility by saying, oh, no, you don't get the $5 package. Actually, you know, this is going to be really valuable for you. So I'm going to charge you $100,000. You can never come back from a client putting you in a in a commoditized, low price point, it can't be that important because it's not that expensive bucket. You can never get out of that. It's like a game of shoots and ladders. You can always go down, you can never go up. And so I try to encourage people to consistently push the price point. I don't think there, I don't think there is a right price point. The price is never right, Bob. It was Bob Barker, the price is right. Okay, good. I, I just want to make sure I'm getting that right. Yep. But the price is never right. The price is either too low or too high. And when it's too high, it's the start of a great conversation. And when it's too low, you'll just get an immediate yes. And and so I really just try and get people to remember that we're out here to help people. And in order to help people, you have to charge more. The more you charge, the more freedom you create to come up with innovative solutions that helps everybody. Um, to charge less is uh, selfish in a way. Yeah. You know uh, Mark Wahlberg, the movie star, or know of him? Yeah, Marky. Marky Mark. Yeah, and I was listening to an interview with him and Terry Gross on NPR, and he was saying, you know, for my recording work, uh, being a music uh, artist, you know, we'd get a big fat check-in, and I'd go buy a Lamborghini, but we didn't have enough money to get the insurance for it. But I never worried about it because I knew the money would just keep pouring in. And that was his mindset that there's more than enough money. It's coming in. So he said, I made the dumbest decisions on the planet and it always worked out because of that thought that money's coming. And very few people have that kind of mindset. It's always like, there's not enough money. I'm charging too much. They're not going to realize if I ask for too much, they're going to dismiss me. So how do you help your clients go from that mindset, the scarcity mindset to one that I need to charge fairly because it isn't like you tell them and they do it. There's probably a process in place. Tell me about one of your clients and how you took them from being stuck to being free. Well, honestly, I wish I had uh, a professional in my Rolodex to help people with it because um, brute force, I would say, is my approach. What what I've found is that when you do it once, you're cured. Uh, If you start increasing your prices, you fall in love with it because nine times out of 10, you say a number that to you sounds ridiculous and the client goes, oh, I can do that. And you very quickly realize in that first experience of like, oh my God, the world didn't crumble. The, the, the prospective client didn't tell me to get out of here and I'm crazy. Uh, they actually took the deal. So I must not be charging enough. So I really just force them to spit it out. You know, Today we're going to charge $45,000 and I want you to spit it out and I want you to be open uh, to the response that you get from your client. And and again, nine times out of 10, it's a positive response. So I think they realize uh, that the reason they're shifting, and this is what I try to get businesses to do, is to shift from uh, selling commoditized deliverables that anybody can do uh, to selling their unique knowledge that they've developed over an entire lifetime. And when you make that shift, uh, the, the, the worth is completely determined uh, by the client and their perception of what it's worth. So there are no rules. 
Hey, words to live by. I'm going to write that down on my notes. Give me an example, and you can change the names to protect the innocent of one of your clients that they were doing this, charging that, and I helped them realize that they've got this unique knowledge. We need to repackage it maybe, and now we're going to charge that. Walk me through that because I think our listeners and viewers need to get a real life example to kind of go, oh, okay, now I understand what that means. Everything so far has been just words. Yeah, I'll you know I'll I'll sort of generalize uh, twenty or or thirty companies that that I've helped. The simplest thing that I that I always find is people are giving away planning during the sales process. At you know at some point, everyone says, "Oh, I want to provide value in the sales process." So they they go through this discovery, they get all this information, and they give the client a detailed plan that you couldn't screw up. Like there's there's the resources, there's the task. You do this, you do that, you do the other thing. And um, the the problem when you don't charge for something as valuable as a strategic plan that's being given away in the sales process in this case is that the perceived value is very low. If you charge nothing, you are saying that this isn't worth money in and of itself. So most of the time, your client's going to say, oh, they're going to pick it apart. They're going to say, I want to do this. I don't know about this over here. And you're basically surrendering your control to the client. So oftentimes, it's just a matter of looking at the value that you provide during the sales process and saying, wait a minute, there are entire industries where people sell just this. They sell planning, they sell strategy, they sell knowledge. And the value of it is to help your clients spend the money with the right people doing the right thing. Uh, So a lot of times, I literally take their sales process, put a pretty name on it, wrap a bow around it, uh, put a dollar sign in front of it, and all of a sudden you're being paid $10,000 to go through the process that you're doing for free today. And magically, people don't argue with your recommendations when they're paying ten grand for your recommendations. Yeah, it's amazing when you when you put your money where your mouth is, then all of a sudden it uh, it's seen differently. Another thing that's kind of interesting is when I go in as a consultant and I have this amazing piece of knowledge to share, there's somebody in the room that's been telling them within their company the same freaking thing for the last three years, and they've never listened to that person. But when I say it, it's like genius because they're paying me to say it, and they were getting it for free for their own employee, and it had no value, which kind of talks to what you just kind of described. Yeah, I, I figured out pretty early on that if you're a good consultant, the companies are going to try and hire you. It's a, it's a control thing. They want to control people. They want to pay you a salary, pay your benefits so that your only choice is really to stay in that job. Right now, if I lose a client, doesn't matter. I got plenty of other clients lined up. So, so the full-time employment thing that I never really got into, it's a method of control. And uh, the thing is, they don't. The leadership doesn't really trust their employees because they know they're motivated to stay in their job to avoid change. Um, they don't trust them, which makes for a good business for outsiders to say obvious things and facilitate and clarify. But yes, oftentimes somebody's sitting there uh, in the back of the room going, "Yeah, I remember. You know, I've been saying this all the time." Uh, and it's it's fun to pick up. Uh, champions in that way. So going to sales, so you help a lot of professional firms and they could be good practitioners of their art, whether it's digital marketing or consulting or what have you. But being a salesperson is something that may not be something they're good at, primarily because their beliefs around what things are worth. So how do you take people that are that have a good product, you help them charge appropriately, but how do you get them to start selling more effectively? Well, the first thing I've found in professional services is that most people that even bear the title of sales have never sold anything in their life. 
they have engaged in a buyer-led buying process. That, that's what people are doing in professional services today. People go, I have a problem. They go online. They look up what they want to buy. They call an agency or a professional services firm and say, I want to buy this from you. And then the salesperson says, great, this is why we're different. This is what we charge. That ain't selling. That's, that's so, so first of all, I have to, I have to teach them that order this taking. is going to be difficult. The order taking, right. Uh, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be new. And when you're talking to business owners, you're talking to really smart people, it's easily for, it's easy for them to get in their own head. So I have to simplify it. And um, after interviewing a lot of people, the best I can figure is that you can sell anything to anyone for any price if you understand three things. One, their most important opportunity, not the opportunities that they have. If you understand their most important opportunity, the challenges standing in the way of that opportunity and the initiatives that they have already committed to. If you can identify those three things, you can sell ice to an Eskimo. So walk me through an example of that, like a particular client where uh, they needed to focus on, they had many things, they focused on one thing, that they identify the challenges and the initiatives they had already done. So walk me through a real life example. Uh, yeah. So I had a client come to me and say, uh, you know, Max, I want you to, uh, help us sell. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was, uh, uh, maybe it was, um, professional it services, professional it managed mm-hmm. services. And, uh, in my mind, I'm going, I, I have no idea if that's the greatest opportunity. So instead of saying, great, here's my process for helping you, uh, you know, they wanted, they wanted me to brand it. Essentially. They wanted some branding work around their managed services. So I'm talking to the CEO. I say, you know, what's, what's really going on? Let's back up here. What, what is the greatest opportunity? What's the board really want you to do? Is there any, you know, are there any changes taking place? And turns out uh, that there was a directive from some really important people that they needed to increase recurring revenues. And at that point, the only recurring revenues were these managed services. So we went through a process of first understanding what their greatest opportunity was, which was actually sell to sell recurring, uh, recurring revenues. The challenges were uh, that, well, let, let's imagine there were a lot of challenges. And there were uh, existing initiatives in place to uh, create demand. There was a lot of demand. Gen, uh, there was a lot of demand gen, you know, campaigns going on. So I said, "Well, look, I can come up with a strategy for you. I don't know what we're creating at this point, but my strategy will detail the best way to increase your recurring revenues." Um, and that's what they paid for. So I th- that was a perfect example of going from a buyer led they're in control max we want you to do this and me doing the crazy thing of saying well let me let me just make sure i understand your situation properly because doing some branding around your managed services might not be the thing um and in that in that way i gain more trust i gain access to more of the decision makers we ended up doing a workshop with all of their uh, with all of their leadership team and we ended up creating a completely new service which happens to be what I do. Now, I didn't stand there and say, you're wrong. That's not what I do. This, is this, that, and the other thing. I said, sure, you, you could be absolutely right, but let's get everybody together. Let's make sure we understand the greatest opportunity, the challenges standing in your way, and how we can best leverage some of these initiatives. And magically, we created something uh, something completely new, and it completely changed uh, completely changed their business and has a, has a big old impact on uh, recurring revenues. Brilliant. So you probably go into some places where uh, you are seen as, you know, uh, almost like obliterating what they're doing. 
Because people get caught up in, this is what we've done. This is what we've always done. This is what we feel comfortable with. Then you have somebody coming in saying, you know, uh, yes, but. So you've probably had people welcoming you. And there's probably people that have been pushing back. You're wrong, Max. You don't understand our industry. Tell me about one of those where you had a, you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Well, honestly, I, I, Honestly, I don't get a lot of that because I've been trained basically from birth uh, to avoid that. Is is the consultant's worst uh, worst fear is that your people don't want to listen to your advice, and and so in in a process for consulting, you have to get really good at making it sound like their idea. And from birth, my dad always told me, no, 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 there there is no there is no yes, but. As soon as you say, but you're basically telling them that they have shitty ideas and it's, it's all negative from there. Yes. And so you're always, you're always playing off what they're doing. And my dad would say, yes, we're doing exactly what you're doing. Only we're taking it a step further. So all of my work, I have to make it seem like it's their idea, the art of asking questions, leading questions. And when you hear what you want to hear, you dig deeper into that. You have to make people feel good that they are smart. Uh, it's, it's really their ideas. It's everything that they've been doing to date. Uh, and in what I do, it's, it's, uh, it's relatively easy because they're often doing the things that I would recommend that they do. They're simply not charging for it. So it's a matter of getting them uh, to see the, their own value that they provide um, and motivate them to, to charge for it. And, um, but yeah, as a, as a consultant, the most important skill you can have is, uh, making it seem like their idea and never telling them they're wrong because the client is brilliant. So if we take this max year 2021 and we take uh, time travel back to the year 2015 and you see that max, what advice do you give that max that would allow him to be better, stronger, faster? Raise your prices. Which is really all I've done. I mean, look, we're all on a we're all on a path of learning. The more work that we do, the more times we do it, it's pattern recognition. We get better and better. The only thing that's changed for me is I've slowly built confidence, and I probably raise my prices every three to six months. If I was going back to 2015, mm-hmm. doing exactly the kind of work that I'm doing today, I would just say multiply the price by five because 2021 max is. Yeah, he's a lot smarter, but he's got the same level of confidence. There's still shit that I'm doing that I have no idea is going to work. I'm constantly riding the edge. That's what entrepreneurs do. So confidence is silly, right. uh, and I would have started to I would have started much earlier, charging big boy and big girl prices, and going after people with more money. I I, I don't know how long it took, but I eventually talked to somebody that said, Max, if you're working with people that do not have money, you will soon have no money. Simple statement, but uh, powerful changes in my life started to oh, go yeah. after people with more money, and magically they 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 pay higher prices. What's interesting oh, is uh, and, and back well, in the well, day one more, when one more uh, one more thing, Umar, one more thing is that I was always afraid that larger companies uh, w- were like more mature. Like the larger the company was, the smarter they were, and the more uh, and the more they wouldn't need my services, they'd be far ahead. If I have found anything, it is the exact opposite. The larger I go, the more of a rat's nest I find, the more unstructured it is. So it's funny because I do I, I end up doing less work for larger organizations with a larger impact and I'm getting paid more. The only thing that was holding back 2015 max is limiting beliefs, as uh, as Umar would say. 
Yeah, interesting. It's uh, as we kind of go into any large organization, uh, bottom line, they're going to have communications issues. No one knows what the roles and responsibilities are. There's no clear idea of vision. Like they may be written on the wall, but people don't know what, exactly what it means. Come to that fundamental human kind of stuff that gets in the way of things that has probably happened uh, since the dawn of time. So if you were building an organization that's going to grow into a large organization, let's say you're starting a new business with three people and within 10 years, it's going to be 3,000 people. What kind of infrastructure do you put in place to make sure everyone is is lean and hungry and focused and supporting each other? Like, what does that look like? Well, to be honest, Umar, uh, I have zero intentions of growing an organization where I pay people to produce no results, which is basically uh, a generalization of every organization that I find. People are paid a full-time salary and benefits to sit in a dark room somewhere, and they're incentivized to do nothing. What I have experienced is that there are folks out there with the exact opposite of business model, and it's only becoming more popularized today as the freelance gig network uh, has produced what the Bureau of Labor Statistics is calling the industrial revolution of our time. A much better business model. If you want people that are self-organized, hungry, self-motivated, these people are called entrepreneurs. Maybe they're not entrepreneurial creating multiple businesses, but they are out there making their own money, being their own boss. And so if I want to do something, if I want to help agencies productize their consulting services, which is my current positioning today, I am not going to hire people hoping that they do great work. I am going to find people that do great work. I'm going to say, look, I have clients that I'm going to give to you. And in order for giving you deals on a silver platter, I want you to do it my way. And I want 60% of the money. They're like employees that only pay you. There's zero risk, zero overhead. Like my dad always said, don't have a business that eats while you sleep. Now, granted, I was pretty much cured of having employees from some, you know, as you might dissect uh, in a later workshop, Umar, some negative experiences where I pour my heart and soul into some great employees and they end up leaving for a software company. So early on in my career, I was scarred of the traditional let's hire employees, invest a ton of money in them and hope they don't go away. I was hiring millennials and turns out they're a pretty deep flight risk. So I'm a little, you know, I'm a little jaded in that regard, but you can't ignore the business models where uh, professional services companies look a heck of a lot more like product organizations that are selling intellectual property. And you go into a lot of the top consultancies today, you don't find consultants, you find product developers. And like 10 of them for a 10, $20 million bankroll. So I don't, I I don't see the need to have employees. I think, I think the entire professional, uh, professional services landscape uh, is changing. And the real opportunity is to curate disciplines in a business model that doesn't eat while you sleep. That's brilliant because it's a changing landscape. About uh, 15 years ago, uh, we used to do logo designs for people. And we were on the lower end of things, and we would charge eight thousand dollars to do a logo. And there were other firms yeah, out there that were charging. I can, get one, for, I can get one for ten bucks. I can get one for ten bucks. I'll race you. I'll have it. I'll have it in twenty minutes. Absolutely, but this that's the, 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 the middle ground. Things like logo tournament, because what happens is when you have a logo designer, is like uh, Max, you're the customer, and you're an idiot. So I'm going to give you six designs. Four of them are crap. I'm going to guide you towards the two and help you pick one, and you'll get a good design. And now with things like logo tournament, you've got 
60 amazing artists around the world, each donating their logos to compete for the business and the quality of the work and the expense. So instead of like the 10 bucks, it might be $500, but you get something breathtaking that would have cost $20,000 in the past. So we do live in a new world where you have this ability to virtually create this company that you want with the best of the best. They're helping you execute what you want to execute. Yeah. It's why toys are made in China. Absolutely. So Max, can you share before we part company today, uh, one mind hack, something that you do that just allows you to leverage your time or your productivity or your happiness? Yeah, I'd say the most powerful thing is the, uh, the double your price policy. So I've got a policy. When I, win it, when I win a deal, I double the price. If I'm charging $30,000 today, I win a deal, I'll charge $60,000 tomorrow. When you get a no, you get four more no's, then you split the difference. So in all likelihood, I will be at $45,000 for the same service I was at 30 for the same service I was at, you know, whatever before. Um, and it forces you to constantly be in a state where you're learning and having really valuable conversations about why it was too expensive. And what you will find is every time you double your price, you can negotiate down to a higher price than you were at before. Meaning if I want to charge 40, I don't raise my prices to 40. I raise them to 60. And when they say, oh, that's too expensive. That's when I sharpen my pencil. I lean in and go, well, I really, I really think we can do something special here. What does it need to look like to you? What are, what are some of the things that we need to get navigate? Is it a budget issue? Are there certain people on the leadership team uh, that aren't bought in for a number of reasons? And all that information is golden. And what will likely happen is you'll either understand that there are some things that you can surpass. I, I've, even, I, I've even discovered things like, oh, it's just payment terms. They, they couldn't drop 30 grand you know, like, all at you- one time. They, they can't drop 30 grand all at one time. So I'm sitting there, they're, they're going, oh, we can't move forward. And uh, instead of me charging too little or giving them a discount, we now enter a really valuable conversation about why we can't move forward. And turns out it was a cash flow issue. Hey, you guys can cut me a check for 10 grand once a month for the next three months. Oh man, if we could do that, we can move forward today. Perfect. You should be in a conversation about why it's too expensive. And you can't do that unless you're consistently changing your, uh, Brilliant. increasing your prices. Max, you're a breath of fresh air. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, I, I enjoy it too. And, uh, you know, Umar, as you know, I'm having a baby like any minute now. So uh, I'm just having fun. I appreciate the time. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results.